Hairdressing, business, beauty, products, people, interviews, fitness, health, well-being. I'm Nathan Plumridge and welcome to Hair Life. On this week's Hair Life, I have the pleasure of chatting to three of the founding members of the Salon Employers Association, otherwise known as C. Toby Dicker of the Chapel, Edward Hemmings of the Allen D Education Group, and Stephen Nurse of Daniel Galvin. We go in-depth into the reason behind the association and what it wants to achieve. So sit back and enjoy. Toby, Edward, Stephen, good morning and welcome to Hair Life. How are you today? Fantastic, thank you. Excellent. Oh, Lovely, good, to nice see. Lovely to see you all. It's, um, it's been a long time coming. You're a, you're a tough group to get hold of because obviously you're all very, very busy. Um, I wanted to have this conversation for quite a while. Obviously, Edward, I spoke to you uh, about six or seven weeks ago, and it was you that sort of brought this to kind of to my attention. Um, and it's something sort of since then that I think has um, definitely become something I've started to look at more and more. And I'm applauding what it is that you guys are absolutely uh, sort of pushing for. So what I wanted to do with you today and for the listeners was to give my view on more of the employer and actually the person that you are looking at this association being for. But what I'd love to do first is get some kind of history um, behind you guys as a whole. So the Salon Employees Association was been built on the back of uh, Save Our Salons, which was during the lockdown process. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Let me, let me set the scene a little bit. Um, so basically... Um, Helen Ward, Toby, Luke Hershison, uh, and myself set up a WhatsApp group initially to try and interpret it, interpret the government's guidelines to COVID because they were so confused and not particularly clear in the language they used wasn't very hairdressing friendly. So we just set up the group to sort of make sure we were on the same page and closing at the same time and opening at the same time and implementing the government's guidelines um, in, in a very similar fashion. And then I guess it kind of grew organically from that in that, guys, shit, we're, we're, actually, we're actually in trouble here <laughs> you know, because obviously trade is declining, costs of employment are going up, uh, and it kind of led to a, a much wider, bigger conversation. Uh, we then became aware of what's happening in Ireland where VAT is currently, at, I think, at 9%, Toby, correct? Yeah. Um, so, so we, we, we kind of linked arms and have embarked on this journey. So that, that's, that's how it originally started. Yeah. And how did, I mean, you know, the impact of that SOS, I mean, it was interesting because I, uh, I joined up to it. I was part of it. Um, I spoke to my local MP and actually, um, it did quite a lot of good. Did you find that, um, you know, as a whole, as a group of people? Yeah, I mean, if it, it, I, I'm, I'm happy to jump in. Um, it, it, it brought the industry together, or a certain segment of the industry together, in a way that I hadn't seen before. I think we've all been incredibly competitive with each other for a very long time. And I think the one real positive of this is that we've all got the same problem. Uh, let, let's have a go at fighting it. And the organisations that represent us, NHBF, British Beauty Council, British Barber Council, and so on, um, all did a good job of lobbying government to try and get support for our sector. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, we got we got certain grants in place, but we didn't get the VAT. And I think there's a big misconception between different models within the hairdressing industry and, and who we represent. Is that, but yeah, I do think it brought, and we'll go more into that in a minute, but we, it brought people together in a way that I hadn't seen before. Uh, in passionate sort of let's all do this together let's let's explain to the world what we're all about as hairdressers and let's actually bring some credibility to our industry that it hasn't had before Um, I think the lobbyists who work alongside the the hospitality industry have done a superb job for them and we were completely ignored that's my 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 opinion but it did galvanize that And, and you know the longer term thing is that I think a lot of the problems that we're talking about or we continue to talk about were happening way before COVID. Yeah. COVID put, hit the accelerator button very, very hard and, and exacerbated some of those problems. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of good came out of it. I think having the, 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 the rich group of different people on board was, was, was really positive and the support that we got was great. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons that Edward has joined us is because we see another big problem on the horizon, which is the continuation of training within our industry. And the fact that 90, well, from our records, 95, 97% of people are trained within salons and in the apprenticeship route. And there's no understanding of that within government. And so for us, all we're trying to do is represent the specifics of uh, of our organisation, which are VAT paying salons, PAY paying employing salons and people that make training. And that's what the area that we think is least represented, certainly within government. And, we, and we've certainly got our, our names uh, out there now. And what is that percentage? What's the percentage now that uh, C is kind of looking at within the market? Because I know recently when I looked at some figures, it was as much as sort of 60 to 65% of the industry now was now self-employed stroke kind of freelance. Is, is that right? Is that? That's what we understand it to be. Right. So around one third of the industry left um, shouldering the majority of the tax burden, in my opinion. I'm yeah. And, and, and ultimately, um, in terms of what C is about, that is your target audience. So you're looking at that PAYE salon, salons that 100% employ their teams, uh, people that basically do their education through companies like uh, Edward here. Edward? I, I think, yeah. uh, sorry, just, just, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we represent, if you like, the more traditional hairdressing business where you employ apprentices, they're trained with organisations such, such as Edward's, you retain them, they do clients on an employed PAYE basis. Just just to be crystal clear, we're not not completely anti the self-employed model. All we're asking for is fairness and parity Mm -hmm. because at the moment, if you're running a traditional business hairdressing model, it's impossible to compete with a a salon down the road where the vast majority of the team are self-employed because we have to pay national insurance contributions, holiday pay, auto, um, pension. It's, it's, it's not a level playing field. So you know, we're not saying we're not completely anti-self-employed, we're just saying, can we please, please at least make it fair? And from my point, Nathan, oh, yeah. sorry, just to add, um, on top of that, it, it's guys like, like these salons who are then adding the um, 80% 
on the job training. I mean, so as, as an industry, as a part of the industry, we are absolutely unique. We are, if you like, as Toby said, there's probably 30% left in the industry who are doing 90% of the training, 80% of the time that the training's done. So if you look at those numbers, we're, we're, in, a, in a way, we're, we're absolutely mad. Yeah. Where in the other model, you're opening a door, you rent chairs out, and quite frankly, because of how self-employed rent a chair works, you don't know what income is going in and out of those chairs. You don't know whether it's on the line. You don't know whether it's straight. You don't know whether tax is being paid on it fairly and correctly. And why should you? I'm not saying for a minute you, you should do. Why should you? So therefore, our organization is so important because we're so uniquely placed as a 30% of the industry. And it's interesting, just, just following off that, so this is probably jumped ahead, but what I'd like to do with this is just go into this a little bit deeper. So for me, I've started to look at the, the whole education program that we run. So maybe like, obviously, Steve and Toby, you train in salon as well. And so do you have your own education provider that comes in and works alongside you, same as us? Yeah. Yeah. So obviously what you start to then look at now as an employer, number one, is that cost. Uh, and the cost of actually having salon assistance now has increased quite rapidly. Um, obviously, they are non-fee earning individuals. Um, we are basically skilling these people to have a future career. Um, we end up actually carrying what overclass is the financial burden. Um, if they went to university, they would ultimately end up with debt. We are carrying them through this entire process uh, with the view that ultimately they could get to MVQ level three and they can probably just leave us. So we've invested <laughs> a huge amount of time and money into that, um, into that education program. And obviously, as we've said, a third of the industry or sorry, a third of the salons in the industry are basically recruiting 100% of the UK's hairdressing workforce. Now, I um, had some ideas, which I just wanted to share with you through this, which were based on um, help and support. And obviously, this is what C is all about, isn't it? It's all about our group of salons and actually trying to initiate change. And one of the things that I started to think about, which I wanted to discuss with you, was that I don't I never have any issues about recruiting the future and employing as many assistants as possible because they are key to the industry. But what I wondered was that having some sort of financial benefit at the end for salons potentially. Yes, Edward. I think it's a really valuable point as well. And there's one other point that we need to bring up with this, that if you take on an apprentice aged um, 17 and a half, into that second year of the apprenticeship, their wage then runs to the national minimum or national living wage if you're in London. So you're, we don't even have a sustained apprentice wage. Mm -hmm. And that's something else that, that's also in, in, in our things. And it's very important to mention. Yeah, the, the government does um, and have been very generous with grants over the last couple of years. But I think they've, they've, they've the, the last big one was finished, um, it was last April, there was about up to £4,000 available per salon owner. But you're correct. There is no, there's no benefit to finishing someone. Absolutely yeah. not. Toby? No, a couple of things. I, I do want to take it back a step because sometimes yeah. we can be seen as, as really anti other, other um, models. Um, and two things. I really, 
I really genuinely don't mind how anyone earns their money. Mm -hmm. And going back to what Stephen said, we're, we're looking for fairness and parity. And the unique part of this is that if you're in a restaurant, you can't go self-employed waiter. You can't do that in different ways. And, and we, we just want to get an understanding of that. And fairness and parity is, is, is the key. So it really isn't. The, my opinion is that massive parts of the industry are going to suffer, i.e. Uh, training, which we've already talked about, and so on and so on, because people feel forced into doing this because it's what the employer employees want because they believe there's something better on the other side and that's a misconception but it's one that's widely dispersed and the only reason in my opinion for doing the self-employed route really uh, uh, as a salon owner is because it is massively tax beneficial yeah. And, and, and the legalities of that, the moralities of that are there to be discussed. So I just wanted to take that as an aside. And that's all we want to point out. If we were paying less or others were paying a, a, an equal amount, then there really wouldn't be a problem. And in America, there is a system whereby you pay tax from the first $600 and that's it. Our system is vastly different and massively misunderstood. But going back to your original questions. Um, around where it is. I think there are some different ideas. Like you said, if you come out of university, you've paid 30, 40, 50,000 pounds for your education. We pointed this out to government already. Why, why don't we just let everyone go to college, they say, and we all turn around and go, because only 5% of those people are worth employing, and then we'd have to retrain them. And, and we all know that across the board. The people yep. aren't of a high enough standard, and that's why we do it. And that's a misconception within government currently that we need to, we need to work on. Um, the next part of it is to say, yeah, so government now now pays for their education completely, it costs them way, way, way more, and, 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 and the skill isn't there. Insane. What we're saying is that if you're going on a training program, one of the things we're saying is you are actually getting paid. And what we're asking for is for that training period to be covered by the apprenticeship wage. And what that means is you're still getting paid, but you're also getting upskilled. So that's one area in which we're asking. And actually, I'd much rather be taking on 19, 20 year olds who've got a bit more about them. Yeah, 100%. But we're forced to take 16 year olds, which Stephen pointed out earlier is age discrimination anyway. So let's let, let's talk about that. Because <laughs> they are cheaper for us. And that's just stupid. Yeah. So, so there's that. And then one other suggestion, in fact, we were talking about it with a big national chain recently is is actually you know um to to perhaps change the way we do funding for for, for for training so that perhaps government covers some of the older people's salaries or and or uh, a potential type of training bond that is that is formalized within our industry because you train somebody bring them to end of the year three what we're saying is, is if there's some sort of bond and they say, yes, I will work for you for three years or two years or whatever time period, time period at least we can claw back that 30,000, 40,000 pound training cost that we put into them. So they're some of the ideas. What yeah. I was going to say, Nathan, is you actually don't need us. You've got all the ideas yourself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but the great thing about this group, and this is one of the things that really excites me about it, is what you said earlier which is that when you did SOS, it brought people together. And that's exactly what, for me, C feels like. It feels like bringing a group of businesses together that totally get and understand the part of the industry that we're in. 
And actually, ultimately, the only way that we can ever make change is by collaboration. And this is this is the beautiful thing about having this conversation now. Um, looking at that aside, and obviously, the, everything you're kind of looking at isn't is, so we've got education. We're obviously looking at the taxation part of it. And in, in terms of that, where do you potentially see the sort of the, the change that might be possible in the long term? Not short term, because we know this is all going to take a long time. What of this? What are the sort of the ideas that you're sort of thinking about? Over, you're probably. I mean, I think I think the long term objective is to get exactly the same as uh, what happens in Ireland and VAT in hairdressing at nine percent, because you know, in essence, what we sell is time. Mm-hmm. So there's very little we can, you know, VAT, as Helen very often says very well, VAT is an input and output tax, doesn't work for us. You can't, you know, you can claim back 30p's with the shampoo mm-hmm. because we're, what we're selling is time. So I think the ultimate goal would be to get a, a, a reasonable rate of VAT as they have in Ireland at 9%. What, what's interesting, uh, employment in the, in the Irish hairdressing sector grew by 23%. Over, I think, a four or five year period, once they reduced VAT to nine percent, yeah, because there was considerably less incentive to be self-employed because it gave salon owners a little bit more margin to work with. That, that's the long-term goal. Quite, quite how we get there, I think we're probably still trying to figure out. Toby, would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, I think first and foremost, uh, pointing out, and another idea that came up just this morning was actually to, to, to get the government to see different sectors, because what they want to do is apply tax equally to every sector. And, and, and when you do that to a highly labour intensive sector that has the smallest amount of margin, you, you penalise that the most, because we pay nearly the whole 20% in VAT, because we can claim none of it back. We add all of our value through our goods and services. Well, our goods are our people. And people are also the most heavily taxed. Yeah. You also realise is that when you're adding value, you need six times as many people in, in hairdressing as you do in retail. So you are six times more penalised when a new labour tax comes in, like Employers NI, which is the most misunderstood and unfair tax in the system. If yeah. people don't understand that they are paying 20% on top of people's salary for NI uh, 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 pensions and, and, and other other sort of benefits 20 percent on top of people's salary that is just a tax it's plain and simple hidden from from view and what we want to do is try and demonstrate to government uh, to look at an industry and their overall tax take and our estimation within our industry is that 35 pence in the pound of every pound that comes in the door goes out in tax and, and it's another industry like that. Sorry to interrupt you there, it's really interesting because again um, having looked at those numbers and again spoken to clients in the salon um, about that they were totally shocked whenever you drop those numbers in they are literally shocked and we've just had big team discussions this week because they're changing our wage structure and things in line with the legislation changes in April um, and my team didn't even realize that I pay you know employers national insurance you know and it was one of them they were just like oh didn't realize that um just going back quickly to VAT it's interesting because the the Irish model I think was the original kind of idea I think back in SOS I think certainly it was a big um, idea, yeah so taking that aside so when I spoke to my MP um Simon Jupp down here 
I actually discussed with him kind of a sliding scale um, that way. So actually, instead of VAT being kind of 20%, you know, up to 85, actually it went up to like 250. Sorry, so it was like 10% for 250. Anything above 250 up to a million was like 15%. And anything above a million was 20%. Because actually, when you take our industry as a whole, um, there aren't many salons. I think it's like 3% or 4% of them are doing a million quid and and kind of over. Um, is that right? I think it's somewhere around it's there. Probably, it's probably less, but I, I've got some numbers you know? that I can dig out. But, but you know, careful. one of those, you suddenly have that opportunity then for businesses to grow and actually to not be looking at this low-end market where they don't want to cross a threshold. Mm-hmm. They actually want to look bigger because that's where the opportunity is. Luke, Luke has come up with some very good arguments on that. Luke Hurston yeah. is, is another, and he has a really different viewpoint, and he, he's very, very good to have on on the on the as part of the argument. And he's always said it's the most anti-competitive thing of all. Mm. You know, it actually stifles growth and stops yeah. stops businesses wanting to become serious. And you know, our our industry is treated with an enormous amount of disrespect. Anyway, I think um, certainly by government, and I'd love to. I'd love to bring an MP to try and do a hairdresser's job for even twenty minutes. You know, let alone a day. Um, and people it, it, massively underpaid for the for the amount of effort, time, and energy, and so on that's put in. Um, and, that, and that's um, that's something as well, which obviously caters for all of us. So we're now in this tough phase, and do you, and as salon owners. Um, do you do you think this is 2022 as it currently stands is actually quite a tough year that it's it's now looking into that you're looking at as the year ahead because of rising cost scenarios because of where we're currently at yeah very much so don't forget we've got all the increased energy costs too which is which is which is which is going to hit us so yeah it's, it's going to be tough you know um i think frequency of visit seems to be seems to be declining uh the, the, the only saving grace is an increase of average bill per service but you know you still need to remain competitive there's only so much that, that that you can increase prices by of course you need to remain competitive so yeah, I think from a bottom line perspective, 2022 is going to be the toughest, without doubt. Yeah, and I think I think if we if we continue in the in the in the vein we're going, um, and I was, all I was going to say before Nathan is, I think exactly a sliding scale of some sort with a much lower threshold is is a much fairer application. Yeah, for sure. Very blunt, but going back to how tough it's going to be. In terms of some results of our survey, and what would be amazing is if you could put a link to the survey. So yeah, I will do. You have to on there because that is a huge thing. But ninety-three percent of, of, of respondents, we've had twelve hundred and thirty-eight employee respondents, so fifty plus respondents, but representing twelve hundred and thirty-eight employees, ninety-three percent said the last three months are worse than than the period nineteen to twenty. Wow, really scary, really scary is the biggest segment of those people said that 20, the turnover is 20 to 30% down. 37% of people said that. And the next highest was 10 to 20 at 27 and a half. So something like 65% of our industry said it's somewhere between 10 and 30% worse, which we know, we all know by our numbers is unsurvivable. So that's, totally. That's totally. And that's shocking. So this is so. How many members have you now got within the association? How many have signed up? Because you've had incredible growth, haven't you? Quickly. Uh, Salonemployersassociation.co.uk is where you sign up. Really, really yep. easy. A thousand and thirty-four. Wow, amazing. Salons across the board. 
Uh, I've just actually updated it, um, which represents 11,323 employees. And we think that's a huge part of the employed sector. Um, and we estimate treasury um, uh, contribution of 226 million. So we're talking serious numbers. Um, yeah. and, and, and what I think we, really, we, we need to demonstrate, there are, two, there are two key objectives to succeeding within this environment. One is on training, and that's why I say Edward is here. <clears throat> if we can demonstrate, and we, we, we know, we already know from the statistics that Edward gave us earlier, demonstrate that training is very much under threat full stop. Um, and that the trainees coming into the industry are going to decline, then, then we will have some success. And that's where we need to, to, to understand. And the second thing is, is to go directly to HMRC and hit them in the pocket. So we do have some very aggressive ideas yeah. to certainly share with people first before we do. We're not going to do anything. Initially, what we want to do is be taken seriously. Mm -hmm. Feedback results directly to government. So the more people that get involved in our surveys and the more people that give us up our P&Ls, the more ammunition we have to go back to government and, and, and be more successful. And if I can go back and say to government, right, I can halve the contribution to HMRC through our membership because we're going to go and do something pretty aggressive here. And if you don't help us out, you know, you're going to lose 100 million quid. Then I imagine there's going to be some some, some, some thinking going on. And that's, that's how, you know, I'm, I'm, I get, I get, do get angry and I do get passionate, but I really am angry and passionate about this. And one of the things that really pissed me off in the, in the, in the meetings that we've had is, is we were demanding um, a, 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 a discussion with government um, for the, the top 10 biggest employers in the country. And then, and initially they were like, hey, yeah, yeah, we'll sort of help out with that. And then they said, they came back to us by email saying, um, well, we're gonna, can you do it for us? Can you speak to them? We're like, hold on a minute. These are, these are people that aren't gonna share their numbers with us. And you are, that's ridiculous. And I just said, no, it's totally ridiculous. You have to, or as a group, we said, you have to speak to these people. And so we're, we're proud of the fact that they have spoken to the, probably the top 10 biggest employers in the country already. And we just wanna make sure people's voices are heard. If you can yep. write passionate for you, we can translate that. And the more information they have and the more they're bombarded, the more we hope for success. And I do- And, that's, and I think that's what it is, it's that passion. I mean, for me, I know when I've had a couple of things that I think you, you get told off sometimes, don't you, Toby, by Luke for, uh, you know, <laughs> For being like that, which is fine, because the thing is with it is I think, you know, the, the wonderful thing about our industry is that it is the passion that is built within it. And, you know, Edward, you're seeing it, you know, you're there at that beginning, you know, level and you witness that passion and creativity you know, growing with each and every student that comes through your door. And is that something that is, is it waning or do you still see there's that growth for it? I think I think you've got to look. It's going to get tougher. So at the moment, there is only 30 uh, percent of the possibilities that an apprentice might have had 20 years ago. So if we just look at that, that's kind of frightening. 60 percent of the opportunities to find a position for an apprentice have just disappeared. And it's it's growing. So mm -hmm. that's made it harder. Number one. Um, number two, the 30% left are finding it more and more of a struggle. As we've discussed, Stephen and Toby um, have, have dis discussed with numbers, with national insurance and so on. I think the passion is absolutely still there. And that's up to us as a training provider to work damn sight harder to ensure that passion goes on in our 
schools as much as it does in the salon. Ab- absolutely, that, that's really, really important. But it's very important to understand that without the 30% left, these kids don't have an opportunity. And that's government rules. That's the best bit of all. So whilst the government are making it as tough as possible for, for our sort of business to exist, they're also saying if you want an apprenticeship, you, you have to go that route. So in, in fact, there's, there's kind of a full circle here. The, the, the apprentices are as passionate. And I, and I have to say, I've had some great conversations with our employers the last few months. They've had to understand that the latest round of apprentices sat in their bedrooms in their pyjamas doing school lessons for two years. So give these kids a break. They're not used to standing up all day. It's, you know, it's much, much harder. It'll get better again. The kids are all back at school now properly. And the next lot of, of kids that leave will, will find it easier to get into the workplace. But it's a great partnership. Great education under an apprenticeship is a partnership. It's no good um, Alan D being the best trainer in the land if I'm dealing with a salon owner that couldn't care less and wants a cheaply paid slave. I want to work with partners like the guys on our group who actively love their apprentices, actively understand that that apprentice in three years is going to be the next stylist on the floor. And that apprentice in 10 years is going to be the salon director. And, and obviously, I, I, I know Stephen and Toby very well, Luke very well. And it, it is real life. We've had over the years, our ex-apprentices open businesses and we're now training their teams. I mean, it's just amazing. Kids yeah. that I've had under my wings 25 years ago. So we've got to ensure that they've got a future. We've got, it's up to us to ensure they've got a future because otherwise we'll end up with a very strange system like they have in America where really there is no real training and standards. No. And that's, and that I think ultimately, you know, I've been in the industry for nearly 30 years. I think that is a, a scary prospect because again, I think, you know, uh, Toby, you brought up a minute ago about, you know, the standard of when people go, to another training provider that's maybe government sort of supported and you have to retrain them all over again. And it's particularly hard work because you only want the best quality. You only want the best quality, don't we? We want our industry to be, again, the world leader, which ultimately British hairdressing has always been the world leader. And it's something that I think us as salon owners, what can we do alongside uh, see what can we do as a uh, as individual businesses to, uh, yeah, i think join us um, yeah. nathan join us in initially um salon employers association.co.uk join us in the first instance mm-hmm. once i mean we've got great numbers in two weeks yeah. um, i'm not amazed because i think we're timely we're at the right point in time to make this work but initially join us Initially, join us, follow us on social media, help us every time we put out a poll, a questionnaire, a survey. The more information that we have to go back to base and to the government with, the better. And the more timely that information is, the better. You know, it's no good us going back with a survey from two years ago. We need a survey right now. And when we put something out this weekend, we want it on Monday or Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we want that information. And with that information... We then build traction with government. We're not going to go away. So for the salon owner, it's, it's to be involved with us. We answer every email within time. We answer every social media message. Um, I know Stephen wants to say something. Yeah, I'll, I'll let Stephen jump in. No, not at all, Alan. I, uh, and I just wanted to make it abundantly clear. We're doing this for nothing. 
Yeah. None of us are receiving a bean for this. I mean, I, I've been in industry in my whole life. It's been absolutely fantastic for me. Uh, and I'm doing it because it's in my heart and I care. It's the only reason we're doing it. None of us really have time to do this. So, yeah. Uh, and it's so refreshing to speak to someone like you who absolutely gets it. And I'm sure there are thousands of salon owners like you that get it too. So link arms with us, trust us, and join us on the journey. Definitely. Yeah. Toby? I, I, I did agree with both the guys, you know, joining us in the first instance, because, you know, this is a fluid thing. We want to listen and hear from people too. It isn't just our ideas and that's it. Oh, they're doing this, this, and this. Bottom line is you've just come up with an idea a short while ago about some sort of stage VAT thing and actually thinking about it up to the 250 million quid, whatever it might be. And suddenly you just go, that's a really good idea. You know, without, without feedback uh, and without discussion, we won't change anything. What I can tell you already is that the other organizations who were 100% representing us throughout the COVID period before uh, the personal care sector were, were, were formed, um, now want meetings with us individually. And I think that's yeah. great because that's they, they are representing a wider sector. And let's be let's be frank, if you're representing a whole industry, you're going to represent that majority better than you are the minority. And right now we are the minority. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're the 35% that's left. They're going to represent that 65% more effectively. And that's completely and totally understandable, right? What we're saying is without that 35%, there is no 65. It's just done. And, and so that's where we're slightly differently and more uniquely positioned because we're really passionate about it and we really get it. And we're all key holders. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is it. This is, this is the bit, you know. And once we have ideas, last time with SOS, we lobbied our MPs. We spoke to them. You know, you told me your clients and staff don't know about how much tax you pay. Trust me, your MP doesn't either. No, he didn't. No. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so, but but imagine imagine us having written a paper that that puts out the unique part of our industry, and then suddenly ten thousand letters landing in MPs' inboxes. Trust me, they'll have to listen at that point, and yeah. we'll all hit them, and we'll all hit them at once. This is this is a, a grassroots type of movement. We're not we're not the uh, the the industry. The, the hospitality industry who have big Tory donors and so on and so on and chucking money in and getting their voices listened to. We're, we're hairdressing. We're just hairdressers. No, we're not. We're here now. Yeah. We're deadly, deadly serious. I very nearly swore then. And, <laughs> Feel and free. We're, <laughs> and we're just going to be listened. We're going to be listened to. And if you don't yeah. listen to us, I'm going to annoy the fuck out of you. <laughs> 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 I love that listeners there you go that's Toby that's Toby Dicker speaking his mind he's exactly <laughs> how we like it on this show <laughs> uh, Edwin I just want to add as well um, we thought it very important when you look at us um, five founders we're, we're all from slightly different parts of the industry as well we understand each part of the industry um, organizations are, are, are always accused oh, you lot from London it's a big group from London well absolutely it's not we're we're educators we're salon owners we're salon directors we represent every part and therefore we've got an ear at every part of this particular side of the industry and i think that you know don't kid yourself it's not all london salons that are that paying and so on as you're proving nathan down in exeter yeah, yeah. as our members up north um, in scotland across the nation we've got it all covered no one feels that they shouldn't be involved here every person provided they meet our criteria, will have a voice in our movement. 
And I and hundred percent, I commend you for, for what you're doing because, as you said earlier, you guys are doing this free of charge. You're doing it uh, in your own time, and it is a very big task. But um, certainly, I'm a hundred percent behind it in every single way. Uh, this show is like a, a voice. That's what it's there for. It targets slightly different audiences. Um, so I'm, I'd love to get you back and kind of discuss this further. You know. Um, where have can we find you? Have you answered our survey yet? I have. Yeah. Yeah. I've done your survey. Yeah. I've done your survey. I've signed up. I've done it all there. Yeah. I'm in it. In it to win it. You know, um, because there is, there is, a, I think there's a great opportunity for change and, and I know it's going to take time. Um, but I think it's also it could be an exciting opportunity for the industry um, as a whole. But, where can everybody find you? Where do they need to go to keep pushing and find this? Uh, well, I, I, we, we've mentioned it a couple of times, but it's uh, the Salon Employers Association.co.uk. Um, that just gives you a little insight into what we're fighting for. Um, very, very, very easy to sign up. Which you, can, uh, you just click the link, a few very simple questions, and then, um, and then, uh, then sign up there. Um, and then, Edward, uh, you about the social side of it. Yeah, we've got um, Salon Employers Association on Instagram as well. And what we're using that is really as, as an instant connection. Um, as you're flicking through Insta, you can find us. We're putting up polls, you know, normally once a week, a couple of times a week, to simple questions that, 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 can, that can give us a feeling in a snapshot of what's going on in the industry. Um, last night's question was, I can't actually remember, and I posted it, which is a bit of a worry. But we've asked questions like, has the last three months been tougher than the three months before? Yeah. And, and it's a great way to, to get some answers really, really quickly. Um, it's a great way for someone to drop us a message and we'll get back to them really quickly as well. You know, social media is massive at the moment. Instagram's a great opportunity to, to get to people. It's a great opportunity to share information. Especially with our industry. Sorry, yes, David. I was just going to say one other thing from the survey, which I think is really, really useful, and I, and I will reiterate what Edward said earlier on when he um, when he said, how can you help us? We email everybody once they've signed up, and we ask them to click a link, and I promise you none of these surveys take more than two minutes. Yeah. The power that you give us by doing this is huge. Please, 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 just answer. That's what you I heard mean. it here. Go to, yeah. sign up. And then do the surveys. <laughs> right. <laughs> the survey, but it's true. That's what's going to make a big difference. Uh, uh, I think it's really interesting is just the four top reasons that people are thinking. We put 20 different reasons down about why your business might be having a hard time. And it's really interesting results for us because the top reason, the most, the top reason why people think they're struggling is no concession on VAT. Yeah. 75% of people who responded said that. Wow. The second is an increase in employers' NIC, another thing that most don't understand, but we're all feeling. The third is in, uh, staff leaving to go freelance, black economy. Mm -hmm. We all talked about that. Yeah. The fourth is an increase in utility bills, which I think is going to hit very, very, very hard. Yeah, totally. Are the things that we're going for. Sorry, Stephen. Yeah, just, just I, I mean, you know, as hairdressers, sometimes we miss the obvious, me included, but this decision will be made by economists within the government. They are numbers people. They know absolutely nothing about this industry, but they're expert on numbers. So the more numbers we can give them and prove to them, 
that this is the support we need to make this economic model work, which is going to generate more revenue for them, then we'll make a change. Yeah. That's, why, that's, that's, that's why it's crucial that the quality and quantity of information and be completely transparent is absolutely crucial. Bang on. Absolutely bang on. And you're so right. And it's... Uh, we need uh, more of us shouting it out. So we are definitely going to be doing that, gentlemen. I will be, I will be standing in that corner, raising my flag. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to have the three of you on here today. Um, you know where to follow them. It will be in my bio links. It will be everywhere. Uh, so please, please join the Salmon Employers Association. Um, Edward, Toby, Stephen, thank you for today. And we'll talk to you very, very soon.